1: Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
2: And welcome to the show. This is Joyce Bender, your guest and host. Well, I'm not the guest. I'm the host. But the guest is on the line with me. But before we start, I want to tell you, I have, as we are celebrating... The day, the month, Epilepsy Month, I have one of the greatest guests on today. I have the person running epilepsy in the United States. And I want to tell you something about him. I met him years ago. When I first met him, I liked him immediately. And I'm going to tell you why. Not only does he really care about what he does, but he's just a nice person. Very down to earth, very kind, and you know how I am about that. i don 't like those I think I'm all that people. Um, he is also an epileptologist that is a doctor specializing in epilepsy, who is living with epilepsy. He is a great doctor, a great leader, and most importantly, for me, he is a great friend. Welcome to the show, Dr. Brian Smith.
1: Well, thank you, Joyce. It's a pleasure being on, and it's always a pleasure talking with you. I know we've gotten used to talking very frequently over the last few years, uh, working together closely with the Epilepsy Foundation, so it's always a pleasure.
2: Well, it is also my pleasure. Uh, so Brian, for listeners throughout the world, how about if you tell them, how did you first found out that you were living with epilepsy?
1: Well, uh, as a young teenager, I, w- I wasn't very well educated on that diagnosis. And uh, there were little things that were happening that I had no clue what they were. And, uh, of course, didn't report them to anybody. But then finally one night in the high school parking lot with my two brothers nearby, I had a major seizure uh, convulsion in the parking lot at high school. And that obviously led to a hospitalization. And at least the beginning of that discussion of what epilepsy was, and the fact that I was having smaller things happening probably in the year preceding that just never came to a discussion level of having probably smaller seizures.
2: And really, you didn't know what was going on, correct?
1: Yeah, just, you know, weird feeling in the head. And I know people say, Hey, are you okay? And, you know, I'd listen and it would think their voice would actually be a bit bothersome when they were talking to me for some reason. Uh, but it would clear pretty quickly. So, you know. Didn't seem to alter things all that significantly. Although I sh- probably had a few times where it probably did and I should have caught on that something was up. But again, you know, you're a young teenager and just kind of moving on one day at a time. And it wasn't a lot of major medical issues that you thought about back in those days.
2: Well, Ryan, you know, I always tell people there are many, many people living with epilepsy, three million known. Uh, but not all of those people decide. They want to become an advocate. So you, for example, have done so much to help people with epilepsy. So you all know this. Even before Brian Smith moved into this position, for years, He's been working to help people with epilepsy. I mean, he's testified before Congress uh, in reference to the comprehensive epilepsy centers for veterans living with epilepsy. He's done a lot of papers and speaking on the generic drug situation, although that's not resolved, but he has really done a lot. Um, and so my question, Brian, what made you decide to become an advocate
1: Well, I I have to admit, I wasn't the first one out of the gate uh, volunteering. I mean, you know, obviously epilepsy has some stigma in the past, and it's, of course, incorrect. But nonetheless, as I was getting into my professional career, uh, it wasn't number one thing on my agenda to, uh, you know, tell people my medical history. Uh, I was asked to write a foreword for a book called Brainstorms by Dr. Steve Schechter out of Boston, which he's very well known, and he's a great advocate, obviously, too, for epilepsy, and previously with the Epilepsy Foundation. And uh, when he asked me to write the foreword, it was about my personal encounter with epilepsy. And it actually took me a while to think about it because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that. And um, I subsequently got to meet, uh, had some interaction with the uh, uh, Congressman Tony Coelho, who had been down this road, and obviously it's made huge inroads um, for advocacy for epilepsy and people with disabilities and other areas. And I think it
3: probably was a little
1: bit of conversation with people like Steve Schechter and Tony Coelho that kind of convinced me this is the way to go.
2: Well, isn't it amazing how Tony Quello has impacted so many people? Because just like you, if it were not for him... I'm sure I would not have been as successful as I have been in helping people with disabilities gain employment, um, and he truly is a wonderful leader And for all of you listening, guess what? We feel like we've hit the gold mine because presently he is the interim CEO while we're out to find the CEO. For the organization and if you're wondering how the heck could you ever get someone as famous as Tony to do this well it's because that's how passionate he is about epilepsy and the Epilepsy Foundation so we're really lucky that we have him working with Brian who is the chair and how does that feel Brian how does that feel to be the top man in the country
1: (laughs) well uh, it's an honor working with volunteers around the country you know, we all share the same mission for the Epilepsy Foundation. You know, you want to try to stop seizures, find a cure, overcome the challenges that are created by epilepsy. So it's really an honor being in that position and following, you know, in the footsteps of the Joyce Benders of the world who preceded me in that position. It's really it's a great honor, and I've learned a lot, obviously, from you and Tony and others who uh, have been in that arena over the last eight or nine years being part of the foundation board.
2: Well, it truly is an honor, but sometimes it's hard to envision that you're running this company, the Epilepsy Foundation, and really, you know, you're like how, you know, you're the president. You're the person running all of this and the point person for the whole country for anything to do with quality of life or advocacy for people living with epilepsy, and I'm sure you did not envision that someday you would be doing that.
1: No, that wasn't in the uh, original game plan either. I mean, it, it's funny how little things happen, um, you know, from one month to the next that change your course a little bit. I mean, we see that with people affected by epilepsy and those involved in with the foundation. Uh, you know, that wasn't necessarily what their plan was, but then they had an experience or they interacted with certain people that really steered them in a direction that wasn't necessarily their game plan, but they're really happy they went in that direction.
2: Right. Yeah, that's true of so many of us. That really is. And really, how long were you involved, Brian? With have you been involved with the foundation?
1: Uh, it's been, I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little guess, but it's, it's an eight to nine year window. I I did have some exposure at the local affiliate level beforehand, but it, I wasn't very actively involved at that point. There are obviously things in from a clinical setting, being an epilepsy doctor, developing a program was really the main priority at that point, uh, but it also made me realize here I was an epilepsy specialist, and I really didn't understand what the foundation had to offer and what, and i wasn't utilizing it enough and I think that's unfortunately part of the problem right now is a number of the physicians who who do treat patients with epilepsy need to get a, a kind of an orientation to what's out there and and how we can help them and and how they can help us as you know we Try to help everybody who has epilepsy or a family member with that.
2: Right. And Brian was talking about the affiliates. You know, we have chapters, whatever you want to call it, offices across the United States. And if you're living in a city and you don't know how or where to find that, go to epilepsyfoundation.org and we have that on the website. And then, if there still isn't anything close to you, get in touch with us at the national office, epilepsyfoundation.org and, you know, we will be sure to help you. It is so important to get involved at the ground level from the beginning uh, with people that really care about you because it will make a difference. And as Brian said, I know there are people, you know, let alone not knowing about the Epilepsy Foundation, I know there are people that don't even know about the epilepsy chapter in their city. Don't you agree with that, Brian?
1: Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I, you know, we do have a network, and that network reaches far and wide, um, but obviously at certain points it's not well known. To those um, consumers or patients or families, uh, because obviously there's not going to be a billboard everywhere, and they 're not necessarily being directed down that road, so we need to try to get the word out a little bit more and and there are still some areas in the country that are not not covered, and uh, there's clearly an interest in promoting that, but just like with any nonprofit it requires some support, it requires some personnel, and so that 's what we 're trying to move towards so we can really cover everyone in the united states who has this condition
2: okay well uh... brian i think we have a caller on the line uh... are you on the line jenny
3: yes joyce i am on the line hello joyce and brian how are you today i'm doing good jenny how about you i'm doing just fine
1: i'm doing great thanks for asking
3: it's it's uh... great hearing from both of you and uh... brian i just want to applaud uh... everything you're doing to have a doctor who has epilepsy getting involved is uh, just a wonderful thing, as Joyce knows my story. Uh, my son had epilepsy, and uh, I also have epilepsy, and my son is the one that got me involved in uh, advocacy
1: well that 's great that you became involved, and so you 've got that personal touch you you 've yes. been, been there
3: and he actually challenged me to become an involved in, in advocacy at the age of 10. He told me, uh, Mom, you always told me that even my epilepsy could be used for something good. Prove it.
1: Wow, that's,
4: and,
3: that's uh, quite a challenge. I, I looked online and found the, app, the uh, Kids Speak Up program.
1: That is great. And
3: uh, so we went down and started becoming active advocates and uh, That got me to be involved. And,
2: uh, and excuse me, Jenny. Brian, two things I want to tell you about Jenny, uh, who lives in Connecticut. One is her son was on the cover of Epilepsy USA with Tony Quallo. How old was he then, Jenny? He was 10. Ten years old, and on one of uh, when Tony was on this show, and I had no idea he was going to do this, he said i 'm sitting in my office and i 'm looking at this picture of sam that's his that was his name Sam Miller, and Brian, you met him at the national walk you met you met uh, Sam okay.
1: And, yeah. yes okay
2: yeah, and he 's the young man that as you know I could not talk about this for a long time, but was terribly bullied when he was growing up about the epilepsy and other issues and really went into a depression and sadly uh, in May of you know, this recent May, he committed suicide. Yes.
1: Definitely.
2: And and it has been so such an impact on me that we, the vendor lead-on team, have created the Sam Miller Award for a young person who becomes an advocate. Um, and Jenny, tell tell our listeners what you started.
3: We have we started preventing teen tragedy, and we have become a nonprofit organization, and uh, we are working for people with epilepsy and or mental illness, and we're reaching out for our immediate region and beyond. And uh, <clears throat> we have three divisions in our organization. Uh, one is to tr- help people create better working teams with per- professionals to obtain better uh, medical and educational uh, working relationships. And another is to reduce suicide, which it also includes to reduce bullying and that kind of thing. And the third is something that uh, we invented about seven and a half years ago, which is uh, Vige Panyons. I uh, use dolls and, and stuffed animals and that kind of thing, and uh, free of charge have been out-of-pocket sending uh, little dolls and stuffed animals to people going into long-term EEGs or any kind of long-term testing specifically for epilepsy. And uh, I put leads on the, the little dolls, or um, we've created VNS and brain surgery dolls or whatever the patient is going in for, and we've sent them into five different countries and um, I think almost every state, and uh, we've done about uh, 280 last count, I think, and uh, we send these out to patients around the country, and uh, we're continuing to do these. And now this is part of PTT, our new organization. And uh, we'll continue to do this in Sam's name. And we used the name Preventing Teen Tragedy after Sam's second suicide attempt when he was about, his, his attempts, first two were at 15. A year later, he uh, created a T-shirt company called Preventing Teen Tragedy. And for a year, he made these different T-shirts out of his own design and sold them. And uh, he could no longer do it. After about a year, his depression crashed back in on him. But we're using his ideas, his artwork, and we're selling T-shirts. It's and boy, uh, those
2: dolls—I have some of them sitting right here in my office right now. Uh-huh. Have like little, you know, like a little E.G. Right, and mm-hmm. on their head. And why Jenny did this is—they're really cute and sort of like to make um a child going through issues with this feel more like this is no big deal do you know what i mean right, right.
1: yeah it's 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 around, it's an area that they're not aware of they haven't necessarily been exposed to the prolonged monitoring like that and the, right. i'm sure you're bringing down anxiety levels across the board in doing that that's,
2: yeah and that's she what is able to, do and to she's bring such comfort to awesome the patients as well as
3: the education and Uh, uh, something for comfort for the child and uh, the education aspect and the the child can talk to the doll or the therapy aspect. Yeah, you'll have to send one of these
2: to Brian since
3: he has a big monitoring unit because they they are really amazing. I I will probably see him at the AES meetings and I I will try and uh, bring one to him. Oh,
1: I appreciate that. I, I will be looking out for you.
3: I'll look for you as well.
2: Hey, Jenny, thank you for calling, and keep up the great work you do.
1: Yeah, great work, Jenny.
2: Thank you. It's always a pleasure talking to you. All right. Have a good day. Now, I mean her son. When when she was talking about him when he was 15, these kids would hit him in the head and say, okay, let's see a seizure. And then he ended up slitting his wrist and goes into the hospital. He obviously survived, and when he came out these same kids said, come and see us the next time and we'll show you how to do it correctly. That that woman has taken all this tragedy in her life and turned it around to help people is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, depression is very common with people with epilepsy. And, you know, there are a lot of people who view that well as a weakness and it really has nothing to do with that. I mean, uh, we've come a long way in understanding uh, some of the Um, mental health problems associated with epilepsy and just understanding mental health problems in general. And, you know, when you have chemicals in the brain that are imbalanced, that's why various medications can work because you're trying to put that balance back together. Unfortunately, with epilepsy, because you have this kind of recurrent seizure and changes in these chemicals, it's not always as responsive as we expect with um, just your run-of-the-mill person with depression
2: right right well you know what I've found uh, Brian is that really a lot of people don't realize there are different types of seizures I was just talking about that this morning at the Bender Leadership Academy you know when you would ask someone okay epilepsy what is that oh you have that seizure where you fall down and you have a convulsion but, of course, there are many different types of seizures. I would like you to take a few minutes just to describe the different types of seizures.
1: And That's that's always a little bit of a challenge, especially on a radio, because sometimes when you're drawing out pictures, it makes it a little easier. But to try to keep it simple, I mean, if the definition of epilepsy is recurrent seizures, I, we kind of refer to a seizure as an electrical short circuit of the brain. So if the brain is this massive electrical network like you have your own fuse box at home all the wires are supposed to be connected and balanced and working correctly and for some reason uh... and there's lots of different reasons people who have seizures have a short circuit it could be in one part of the brain or involve the whole brain all at once a number of the genetic forms of epilepsy you inherit this predisposition where the whole brain short circuits at once and when we look at the different seizure types, we kind of separate it into those two columns that some seizures begin in one part of the brain and some seizures involve the whole brain all at once. Uh, so to try to keep it simple, if we talk about the person who develops seizures after head trauma, let's say they have a bruise to a certain part of their brain. Well, when that part of the brain short circuits, they may just get a very small seizure where they get a funny feeling in their stomach or a numbness in their hand and they perceive it. They're wide awake. They don't lose consciousness. They say, wow, that feels funny, and it's over with in five seconds, and we call that a simple partial seizure. Some people also refer to it as an aura because you get that kind of funny warning that something's not right, and that, that's actually a little seizure in a little portion of the brain. If it starts that way but then spreads enough to the other side of the brain, that's where people will do unusual things like stare and not respond and may make some unusual movements. And they may not be with the program for a minute or two. We call that a complex partial seizure. It started in one part of the brain but then spread enough to the other side to alter consciousness. So they they won't remember what you told them when you're talking to them, even though they're kind of looking right back at you and not necessarily looking like they're having a major seizure. So you have a simple partial, which can then become a complex partial. And the third type, when we talk about partial seizures, is it starts in one area but then spreads to the whole brain. And that looks like a grand mal seizure, and we call that a partial seizure with secondary generalization. So all three seizures types may have started in the same area, but they look quite different depending on how they spread. A lot of times people who have seizures coming from one part of the brain will get a warning. Not all the time because sometimes it spreads too quickly and they don't even perceive the warning. On the other side of the track, we talk about generalized seizures or generalized epilepsy. Patients don't usually get a warning because the whole brain is short-circuiting at once. And the three most common types of seizures under that category are uh, what we, we referred to in the past as petite mal seizures or absent seizures. This is where you can have a child standing in front of class saying, I pledge allegiance to the... And they just stop what they're saying. And then about five seconds later, they start right back up again. It's like someone turned the lights on and lights off or lights off and lights on very quickly and they're back to normal. So we call those absence or petite mal seizures. They don't fall to the ground, they just kind of have this brief period where they're not responding. And they may have a little bit of flutter of their eyes. There's another form called a myoclonic seizure which almost looks like a brief jerk. All of a sudden, usually more so in the morning where you have this brief jerk, it may be both your arms, it may be one arm, it may be your whole body. You might spill the coffee, drop your juice, throw your toothbrush and it's over with as quick as it starts. Both of those types are generalized seizures because the EEG shows the whole brain short-circuiting at once. And then the third type we call the grand mal seizure or generalized tonic-clonic seizure. Looks like the one I described on the other side, that partial seizure with secondary generalization, because it involves the whole brain. You can have someone who all of a sudden they may yell out or they just get stiff and fall to the ground. They get stiff and jerk and may bite their tongue, lose control of their urine. They're unconscious for a few minutes, and then they start coming around. Um, And, again, we've referred that to as a grand mal seizure. So that's kind of – and, unfortunately, the ones that start in one part of the brain sometimes can look like the type that start at the whole brain, and it's not always easy to make that distinction. We haven't even talked about the seizure types that are in the more complex syndromes and a lot of the pediatric syndromes where they can have a very rough course and they can have different types of seizures that – Carry risk you've heard of the atonic seizure um, or the drop attack where someone just falls right to the ground without warning and may hit their head so there's more there's a few more seizure types in some especially in some of these pediatric syndromes, but they can also go into adulthood that probably get less attention, but they can be just as significant also
2: and Thank you, Brian. The main thing I want all of you to understand is as you can see. There are many types of seizures, and number two is it's not like some textbook. This is exactly what it's going to be like. I myself had a seizure in December of this past year that was a complex partial seizure, yet it wasn't exactly what Brian was saying, but that's because, as Brian will tell you, there are variations on the seizures. You know, it's different; can be different with everyone. The feeling you know, maybe you hear something, you know, maybe you have a funny taste. Like me, I get an illness or feel sick in my stomach, but my point is that there is no such thing as this is exactly what it's going to be like. But why I wanted him to explain that is that you may see people doing other these things, these other things, and I just want you to realize they, too, could be having a seizure. Um, Do you think that's... Pretty accurate what I just said, Brian?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, there's literally textbooks written just on the different types of seizures. I mean, and we're talking, these are hundreds of pages that would take you literally days to read because the concept that you have to remember is every brain is different, and how that brain has been injured or affected to cause seizures is going to be different, and then where that seizure starts and how it spreads will be different. So you can imagine there's literally. Uh, thousands of types of seizures one person could have depending on where it's short-circuiting and how it's spreading. So a lot of times they will fall into categories that we recognize pretty easily, but every day after doing this for 20 years, I'll see patients that I've never seen that before or have never heard of that type before. And so you've, you've got to keep a very open mind.
2: Right. And, again, if you have questions about this, epilepsyfoundation.org, or go to the chapter or affiliate in your city and talk to someone there, but make sure that you get an accurate assessment by going to a doctor because there isn't any of us that could diagnose any of this properly. You really need to have an expert, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. But as you can see, I have a real expert on the show today, He is the chair of the National Epilepsy Foundation of America. He is an epileptologist. He's an advocate. He is just a great person that I've been blessed to work with, Dr. Brian Smith. We will be right back after the break. If you just joined us, Dr. Brian Smith, Epilepsy Foundation. We'll be right back with Brian.
4: How has your belief system been formed? Has it been based on others telling you what to believe? Do you desire to make changes in your life that you know will bring you deeper fulfillment? Tune in to The Ripple Effect with Catherine Cloward for your weekly dose of inspiration and encouragement. Whether it be in your business, personal relationships, or family life, this show will help you recognize and trust your intuitive knowing. Catherine and her guests will help inspire you to make fulfilling choices for your life. The Ripple Effect is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
5: Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes.
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
2: I think we have a caller on the line, Tony. Are you on the line? Tony.
4: Hi, Joyce.
2: Hi, how are you?
4: I'm doing great.
2: Hey, I understand Tony, you have somebody
4: it. important on your show today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have a real celebrity on this show today. And by the way, remember when Brian and I were talking about the famous Tony Quello that we're so honored is our interim CEO? This is that person. Go ahead, Tony.
4: Well, it's great to call and, and pay my respects to Dr. Smith. Um, he's one of my real heroes. Not only is he a, a, a doctor, uh, he is someone who has epilepsy. And for uh, someone who has epilepsy, to be a doctor is really an outstanding thing. It's, it's something that uh, says to the whole world that uh, you can have epilepsy and do lots of things. Uh, but not only that, uh, Brian is, uh, for all the, your listeners' Joyce, Brian is uh, extremely well-respected among his uh, peers. Uh, uh, he uh, uh, has a, a great uh, personality, and uh, we in the Epilepsy Foundation love him as our chair and so forth. So it's a great honor to be on the show and to... Tell all your listeners just how much uh, we all respect and love them. So, Brian, it's great to be on the show with you.
1: Well, thanks, Tony. And uh, we were commenting earlier about uh, kind of the path we take in the epilepsy world, and obviously uh, you were a big part of what, where I've gone um, in working with the Foundation and some of the uh, – the missions we've had involving uh Capitol Hill and uh being the voice for people with epilepsy. So I I mean I, I obviously need to thank you for that. Um as you know we've we've talked for a number of years and uh, I, I'm in the ideal position now to have a interim CEO um like you who's really been down this path for so long and accomplished so much. So it's a real honor and I'm excited. I mean we Tony and I had a recent trip quick trip to one of the affiliates in Albany and just being able to talk and actually talk with others out in the network and realizing what they're doing and uh, how many things are occurring at a grassroots level and that we could be part of that and interact with them was really a nice experience.
2: Well, that is awesome. And, Tony, I so much appreciate you calling in.
4: No, it's it's always a pleasure to call in, Joyce, to your programs when when you have uh, such outstanding guests, and it's really an honor to call in when Brian's on your show. I've, he's, as I said, one of my heroes. So, Brian, good luck to you on on the show today, and good luck to you, General. So, love you guys. Talk Thank to you, you later. Tony.
2: Thanks, Tony. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, well, I'll tell you what, Brian, we got several callers on the line, so I'm going to just go ahead. Judy, are you on the line?
0: Line. How are you? Hi, Hi Judy. How are you? how are you? Good. Brian, how are you doing?
1: Pretty good. Thank you very much.
0: Um, you know I was interesting when you were talking about uh, families um, today um, it just so happened that yesterday uh, a mother of a child that uh, we were very close with when she was having seizures uh, she sent me a picture of her daughter uh, Gretchen and um, who is now graduated from college and is living in uh, Chicago and had her own art show she's an artist and uh, and I remember this little girl from when she was twelve years old and first having seizures and how afraid she was and she was misdiagnosed and all that sort of thing so we were really you know there for the family and and they were very supportive of, of you know advocating for uh, funding for for the epilepsy foundation so um, I when I wrote to her and told her how beautiful I thought uh, uh, that Gretchen looked, Uh, and she wrote back, and she said, Gretchen's Gretchen's illness took so much out of me. I barely survived epilepsy. Colleen didn't have a mother during that time.
2: I was Mm. taking care
0: of Gretchen. She practically raised herself with horrible seven years. I owed myself, the kids, and Brad a fully intact woman. I lost my job trying to take care of Gretchen. After she was in college and doing well, I tried to go back to the job at the hospital. My job was long gone. But the best thing that happened was starting a business with someone who I had known all of my life. He is smart and kind and treated me as an equal. He got me back on my feet. And when that happened, I put all my pieces together, which, is, which were in tatters. Yes, it was with staples and glue, paper clips and tape, but I got me back. And she said, that is when I could really be a mother to Colleen, a great wife to Brad, a friend to Gretchen. And so um, I wrote back. She sent me a picture of Colleen, the younger girl, who is also beautiful, and she's going off to college. And then she wrote back and she says, "Uh, the person you knew during those years, Judy, wasn't Gina Earhart. She was someone desperately taking care of an ill child. Only you and your staff and others who take care of those with a chronic illness have even a glimpse into the life of a family ripped apart by this type of thing. And then she gets on to say how happy she is now. But, you know, during that time that I knew her, I mean, she was driven and she was caring, but, but now she's telling me that, you know, that she was not the woman who she is. I mean, that she's now a happy, healthy, all-together person, and that epilepsy is not just doesn't happen to the one person in the family that has epilepsy, but it happens to the whole family. Like she said she took care of her daughter so much that she ignored taking care of you know her other daughter and I'm sure that her husband lacked some attention in there too so chronic illnesses really are a family disability
1: you're you're right and and these are the kind of things that we don't see in the statistics and no one really pays a lot of attention to because you're not you're not sitting there at the dinner table watching family dynamics every day you see the patient and the family in the clinic for 20 minutes and All right you kind of, so it's a huge issue, and I, I, you know, I take my hat off to the families that have done this, and even to the kids who haven't got the attention, because some of them are become so much stronger because of that. Yeah, there's more independence, but they've also realized that they've had to give, um, and they have. I mean, it doesn't always go perfectly, of course, but I, I can, I can hear and see some of the issues that you bring out here, that it's a challenge for lots of families across the country every day.
0: Right, and the, these are you know very bright together families, and and you know I, I I think that we probably do have to think more about siblings and what they're going through, um, and uh, and the other thing is you know we were there for for them, and affiliates across the country, and the national office is also there for 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 patients, so that if you know originally I was going to ask you, you know how do we in Talk to doctors. How do we get doctors to refer people to us? Because, you know, these people really have had great experiences and we've gone to their schools and we've talked to their teachers and, 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 you know, so these people are now whole people moving forward. Um, but, uh, you know, the education of the medical community and trying to make them a partner, uh, has, has been sort of diff- difficult.
1: Yeah, it's been a challenge because especially now with the changes in healthcare there's all these restrictions and limitations and you've got physicians thinking okay, I'm now limited to 15 minutes and I have to do this this and this. Right. Uh, well, where where do I bring up the concept of the epilepsy foundation affiliate and so on. Right. Um, but that's not a good excuse either. I mean, uh one of the things we're going to be doing this coming week is talking with uh, our colleagues at the American Epilepsy Society which represents all you know, the physicians who work with epilepsy patients, um, at least a a significant percentage of the specialists, because we're really trying to team together um, to really get across some of the barriers that you've seen um, in getting patients to be educated and empowered about their illness. Uh, right.
0: And, you know, we're the perfect partner to go with you. And in the beginning, it might take a little bit more time to tell them about, you know, an affiliate that's out there. But in the end, you know, they're... We could take so much of that responsibility off of you, so that you, because you do have a limited amount of time to see the patients, and we are the people who work within the school systems and work with people who are bullying other people and educate, you know, children. We probably educated three thousand students uh, in September and October of this year about what you know seizure recognition and first aid, and tr- you know, just just trying to take that uh, mystery away from what epilepsy is and is not
1: sure no those are those are great points, and I, I i appreciate all the work you've done um with the foundation I mean obviously your affiliate is considered one of the premier ones across the country, and the work that you've done specifically not only at your affiliate but we're working with the national office and those of us on the board to really create you know a level of national harmony to get that mission across It's been great, and we really appreciate it yeah well,
0: Judy, I appreciate I do. everything that you do both of you. And I know you have a lot of people waiting to talk to you, Brian. So I just wanted to share that one story with you um, and tell you how great we all think you are. And Joyce, you know you are right up there. Oh,
2: Judy, thank you. Thank you. Congratulations
0: on your your leading team.
2: All right, thank you. Thanks a lot, Judy. Thank you, Judy. You're awesome. All right, I think we have a couple more callers here. Art, are you on the line?
5: Art. Uh, hello. Hi, Art. How you doing? Very well. Hi, uh, Joyce. Uh, I'm I'm very uh, pleased uh, to, to that you were able to take my call.
2: Oh, I'm happy to take your call.
5: How I you doing, Art? Uh, thank here for Brian. you and Brian both for uh, what what you're doing here to uh, increase epilepsy awareness here at the tail end of uh, Epilepsy Month. And uh, I work at uh, one of the Epilepsy Foundation affiliates in southern Wisconsin. And I I wanted to ask a question about uh, an emerging uh, trend that we're seeing here, probably in the last uh, three or four years particularly. Um, Dr. Smith, you know that a lot of the epilepsy medications have come off patent uh, in the last several years. And and a week hardly goes by where we, we don't get a call now from someone who, who just got home from the pharmacy and they've opened their bottle and they don't recognize the pills that are in the bottle. And most of the time this this is due to maybe receiving a, a different uh, generic formulation of, of the correct prescription. But I wanted to ask you, what is happening in clinic in terms of educating epilepsy patients about the medications they're taking And what should an epilepsy patient know about uh, taking their medications safely?
1: Well, it's it's a hot topic and one that's obviously been debated and has gone under significant evolution in the last five years when we first met with the FDA about our concerns because uh, even though a uh, generic preparation starts with the same amount of active ingredient, because of the way it gets mixed by different companies, how it's absorbed and the actual blood levels that are obtained can be somewhat variable from, pe- from going from one t- preparation to another. The majority of people will not have a problem with that. The problem is a minority have had problems and those have included seizures or side effects and right now we have no way of predicting Who's going to have a problem and with what agent? And the foundation has been very much involved both nationally and at state levels trying to really get into this issue further. And we've really had some good communication even more recently with the, the FDA to the point that two um, studies are in the process of occurring and have been funded to really look more closely at this because The assumptions that have been made in the past have been assumptions and now we really need to see the data what kind of changes may be occurring when we talk about generic substitution, whether we're talking brand generic or what isn't even a bigger concern in some cases, are going from one generic to another. Um, and that happens on a monthly basis. So what do we tell the patients? I know personally, I'm explaining to them that that is a possibility. So if I'm going to start, for example, a patient on a new medication and it's going to be a generic form, I will specifically tell both the patient and rights to the pharmacist to maintain that same manufacturer because hopefully we're going to avoid going from one to another and causing these variations in their blood levels, which can cause seizures or side effects. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, we've had patients who filled their pill bottle up uh, when they went and got a refill, and they've had two and sometimes even three preparations in the same bottle and that really shouldn't be happening. So we are in a very active phase of research study with the FDA trying to answer these questions, and unfortunately it's still an uphill battle for patients and physicians with their insurance carriers that we have to have these discussions, show them what's in the literature, show them, uh, talk to them about the studies that are in the process right now to hopefully limit that risk to the patient.
5: Uh, thank yeah, you. Uh, uh, I topic. appreciate that, and uh, and I I I think that uh, uh, it, 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 I'm hopeful that some of these studies will actually uh, result in some some um, uh, policy changes uh, that will help ensure uh, the safety of patients with epilepsy.
1: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Art. It's a, it's a big issue. It does need to have more focus and. Uh, at least from a positive standpoint, things are clearly moving in the direction to try to take a closer look and answer some of these questions.
2: And, hey, Art, before you go, Art Taggart um, I met years ago, and he is a phenomenal leader. Uh, he is so passionate about all of this and really a class act. And, Art, thank you for calling in. Well, thank you so much.
5: It's very kind of you, Joyce, and thank you for all that you do, and, and Brian, you too. Thanks Leonard. Take care.
2: Thank you. Well, I think we have... Uh, I, I don't know. I can take another call. One more call. I think... Is Phil on the line? Hi,
6: Joyce. How are you?
2: Hey, Phil. How are you, Phil Gatone? I'm
6: doing great. It's an honor to be on your show, and especially with your guests. Brian, it's great to uh, to be with you, and and thanks for taking time. I heard you weren't... Uh, very busy. You were kind of bored, you know, with your <laughs> life. You, you just being a father of a of a big family and chair of a department of neurology and testifying before Congress. You were looking for something to do, so you decided to become chair of the board of the Epilepsy Foundation.
1: That's right, Phil. I, thanks for it. <laughs> it's great to have you on the call. And um, I will say that I've I've known Phil for well, how many years has it been now? I would say probably six or seven, and. Um, it's been great getting to know Phil through the foundation and his work in the Chicago area. And uh, he he and his wife work very closely with colleagues of mine at, at Rush in Chicago. And it's been a great pleasure getting to know him and his son and uh, someone who's very much understands the mission again of the foundation and helping people with epilepsy.
2: Wow. I love Thank you it.
1: for
6: that.
2: I love Phil Gattone. <laughs> uh, I will <laughs> Thanks, have George. to say, you
1: too. <laughs>
6: that,
2: like if you would want an example of just. An all around, true, professional, great person that represents, you know, the Epilepsy Foundation. Phil Gatone would be a good example.
6: Thank you, Joyce. I really appreciate that. And I, and, um, and, and,
2: yeah, Phil, I, I want to tell you one other thing. So then Brian still didn't have anything to do. And so I called him and he said, Joyce, I don't have anything to do. And I said, okay, I'll let you be on the radio show. <laughs>
6: Exactly. Exactly. You got to keep them busy. I'm glad you're doing that, Joyce.
2: That's okay.
6: And uh, I want to tell you both I just have a quick comment and then a, a quick question and I know it's um, I'm I'm mad that your shows only an hour, Joyce, cuz I think we could talk for hours but um about epilepsy, but I wanted to just thank you both for referring your listeners to seek out their supportive care uh through our affiliate network. I think that you two have Great leaders in your in your states with uh, Judy Painter and in Pennsylvania and Arlene Gorelick in Michigan. You, they represent you, you the best of who we say, are as supportive so care providers. And there's a whole team of leaders out across the country who are well equipped and able to help people with epilepsy. So I want to encourage you both to continue to speak out about that. And thank you for for encouraging your listeners to to seek out their supportive care at their local offices. And um, my question. Uh, Brian really surrounds the, uh, the veterans in our country, the people who are, who have served with dignity and they're coming home with, uh, traumatic brain injury and they're at risk for post-traumatic epilepsy and, um, I just wonder, and I won't, I won't stay on the line, I'll let you guys discuss it, but I just wanted to get your take on where we're heading with that as an organization. I know you've testified about this and I know it's part of, who you are as a leader, you really care about this issue. So I just wanted to, to ask your thoughts on on this very important uh, issue for our veterans coming back from uh, from the wars that uh, come back with uh, traumatic brain injury.
1: Well, well, I would say that uh, when we referred to this earlier about testimony, uh, the VA now has epilepsy centers of excellence um, at four regional centers, and there are actually 16 sites that are linked to form those four regional centers um, around the country. And um, what they are providing now is hopefully uh, an open door to really any veteran who has any type of potential risk factor for the development of epilepsy. Uh, We've been kind of working in tandem with them to educate also at the affiliate level, which are closely tied to a number of the uh, regional sites for the VA system. And it's a big move because if you look back historically, the VA system was very well known for research in epilepsy in the years past. Some of the um, pivotal studies on anti-epileptic drug treatment was done at the VA centers. Unfortunately, they lost funding. Luckily, uh, more recently, I think everybody's realized we needed to put that back in place, and that has occurred. As a matter of fact, there's a, a meeting going on uh, this Thursday. Um, with the centers of excellence at the VA system at the American Epilepsy Society meeting in Baltimore. where We're really going to sit down and and actually talk more about what has happened with these four regional facilities and how can we further the course of really touching everyone who might be affected that uh, has not uh, received the message or the information that they need and how that can be done and how we maybe can help as the Epilepsy Foundation um, to get that message across. That's wonderful. Um, I didn't know if Joyce had any comments other than that. I know she's also talked frequently about this as a risk factor, and it is. And we we have soldiers that are put in a position where we don't have the answers. I mean, with these unusual devices that they're, that are exploding in front of them, they're not the same type of injury that we've seen in the past with Bullets and missiles, or a typical closed head injury from a car accident. So uh, there's really been some major forces put together to really w- closely look at that research, and I think we we've come a long way. There's a lot longer way to go, but it's really good teamwork together going on right now.
2: Well, you're exactly right, Brian, because with uh, the major uh, weapon being IEDs and you know suicide bombs, and uh, I mean this is the major uh, weapon of war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Therefore, you have many people that come back with traumatic brain injury. Now, not all, but many of those people end up developing epilepsy um, over time. And sadly, many of our veterans coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan are homeless, which is shameful that someone would go over there and be willing to give up their life for you, and then we can't hire them when they come back. But we really need these. Uh, the work that Brian has done with these comprehensive centers. Uh, Phil, you are so right bringing all of that up. And I, I, I would encourage all of you, whether it's your local affiliate, such as Phil's in Chicago, or the National Foundation, wherever it is, make a contribution. Because we can't help others unless you're helping us help others. And, Phil, thank you so much for calling in.
6: Thank you both. Take care, Phil.
2: Well, I must say, Brian, that you're one of the few guests I've had on where I could not get through half the questions because so many people were calling in. And may I say, sorry, I can't take any more calls, but we only have a couple of minutes left. As you can see, we have a great affiliates in the United States.
1: Yes, we do. We've got, I mean, 50 affiliates across the country that are pivotal in getting that message um, to everybody in every neighborhood, and we need to be having them all work together. Uh, they've done a great job in helping each other out, and we're trying to help coordinate some of those efforts through the national office also, and it's just uh, it's a great time to grow um, with uh, hands together to really support patients with epilepsy.
2: Well Brian we only have a couple minutes before that we close this show but I did want to ask you do you have a message to leave with our listeners
1: Well when I see patients every day and when I see that they haven't necessarily gotten the word you know we talk about educating and becoming empowered and so what I would really suggest to really every listener is to try to reach out and and Get that message. I mean, find out about the condition. Find out what you can do. Um, you know, the, when people talk about epilepsy, the the problem that you see is some people just say, "Well, gee, should I be embarrassed about this? Should I be embarrassed about talking about that I have this condition?" The brain is like any other organ. It can get injured um, from this, from that. It doesn't matter the cause. It doesn't imply a weakness. It doesn't imply some. Abnormality that you are just some weird person. That's not the case at all. And, uh, so we really need people to step up. Don't hesitate to talk about this. Educate others. Because the more we educate, the more people understand, the more appropriate intervention occurs when people have seizures. And the more we get the word out, hopefully the more support we're going to get from around the country to improve research and to hopefully find a cure.
2: And yes, and Brian, before we end, I want to say two things. First of all, if you are talking to a doctor, I have to suggest you go directly to a neurologist, but preferably to a neurologist that specializes in epilepsy. Nothing against our primary care physicians, but this is such a specialized uh, disability. Go. Go to a neurologist, again, preferably uh, an epileptologist, which is a neurologist with a specialty in epilepsy. And with that, Brian, thank you for what you're doing in this country. You are awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Joyce, for having me on board. It's always an honor to talk with you and be on your program and follow in your footsteps. So I really appreciate it.
2: All right, and we end the show with a quote from a famous leader. And since this is Epilepsy Month, it's going to be Alan Fanica, former Pittsburgh Steeler who when talking about his epilepsy said, Epilepsy has not limited me and will not limit me. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters, at voiceamerica.com. See you next week.